Thank you so much, Patrick and Sinclair, for I think the little little noise there. It was great. Hey everyone, whether you're watching on Facebook Live, whether you're here in the room, grateful to have you here uh, as we begin our first new teaching series of the new year. I want to uh, just give God thanks that we're here in the new year, like we made it to 2022. There's some stuff that's going on in our communities, in uh, our lives, and there's no guarantee that would happen. So let's just thank God for that. Really, uh, it's a new year. And I want to just uh, pray so we could experience right now God's presence. We could just invite the Spirit to come. Sometimes when we pray, we just wait a little bit and listen. So let's do that together. Holy Spirit, would you come right now? Thank you that you're here, that you're good, and that you're with us. We just wait on your presence, God. We ask God for some expectation for what you want to do today. Whether we're in our homes, whether we're here, give us, God, a little bit more expectation about what it is you're up to. Thank you for that expectation. Thank you for the presence you have, God, with us. Thank you that we're here right now for this moment, for whatever you want to do, God. Pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. So I've got a really important question for you this new year. It's extremely important. Have you ever ran into a glass door? Like anybody, Sinclair says yes. There's maybe a few other people. They're not sharing. It's okay. We'll have a series on courage a little bit later. But of course, that hasn't happened to me. No way. No. Okay, let me tell you the story. So I was in Boston. I was at the Prudential Center, the little mall area, and I was just walking confidently, coolly. I was on a kind of a school leadership thing, and bam! Sorry, it had to be that loud because like my body made like a noise, like a huge noise. I didn't make a noise with my mouth, like my body did. And so I did what like you have to do in this situation, like you supernatural, like move fast. So it's like whatever I like just banged into, I'm away from it. But then you have to kind of go slow now to be like, okay, like I'm good, like we're good. And then you have to go fast again to be like, can I find a reflective surface to see how badly am I bleeding? Because I was just like, this is not a question of if like, you know, it's like, where is the blood? Why don't I see it? Why don't I feel it? I wasn't bleeding though, thank God. But it was that bad. It was really bad. That's what it felt like. I was walking normally, forward, confident, smack, right? Colliding with that glass door that I should have seen. A cool walk shouldn't betray you like that. But it did, and it did heavily. Usually that walk is fine, but not if you're going into a glass door. Then you don't want to be walking like that. This kind of confidence into the unknown. And then smack, hitting the obstacle. But it's a thing of life, right? Sometimes just banging into something unfamiliar. If that feels a little unfamiliar to you, maybe it shouldn't. Because <laughs> there's some things in our lives that have been going on like that, right? Um, welcome to 2022. Remember what it was like two years ago? Some of us had, you know, our type A vision, like 2020 plans. Like we were like really into like the 2020 thing. Hey, it's the year 2020, but it's also 2020. Like we get it. We know like what's going on. 
And some of us had uh, nothing of the sort, but we were still excited about a few plans, some vacations maybe, uh, overcoming a workplace situation, any number of specific goals. And then smack, the glass door of COVID-19 hit us. And unfortunately, it's been smacking us a little bit like a revolving door, right? Revolving glass door. It's, I don't like that like image, but that is what it's felt like, right? Just when we think we're out, you suck us right back in. It's like the game or something like, like the mobster movies, right? Like we're like, we think we're out and then it's right back in. So now we're walking into 2022. Are we walking cautiously or gingerly maybe? We don't want to get played like the way we've been played the last two years. Some of y'all are like, I'm waiting for Omega, and then I'm going to make some plans. Like after that, like maybe. Hopefully we don't have to do that. Until then, YOLO. As my head can tell you from that one day in Boston, walking forward confidently doesn't always go well for us. It's cute sometimes, but it doesn't often work out well. But neither does being so cautious that we, work, that we walk circumspect. The truth is, we, when we move forward, we're often doing so fairly independently by ourselves. We're thinking about future anxieties, future perceptions, future situations that aren't even real yet, and we're worrying over them. We're walking forward confidently, but very much alone. And we lose sight of what grounds us, and eventually we trip or we go too fast or too slow. Scripture gives us a different invitation for how to walk. It's one that we can find in, oops, we can find in uh, the Word of God. Second Corinthians, we walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith, not by sight. In the context of this passage, it's talking about not depending on an earthly tent, because we have a heavenly building, not created by human hands, but it's eternal in the heavens. So even in this tension of living between the times, not at the beginning of God's good creation, and not at the end of the heavenly kingdom coming back, coming forward in fullness, but right now, even there, especially there, we walk by faith, and not by sight. So how does that work? Well, we have to walk backwards into the future. And you might think walking backwards into the future is a little bit more dangerous than uh, just face planting into a glass door somewhere in Boston. But when we walk backwards, we usually walk a little bit slower. We think about what's around us. Ah, we think about what our context is. We're hopeful for any guidance and direction. People being like, you can't walk back there. Sinclair, like, you're going to fall, Josh. This is an example. What? what are you doing? And we're actually blinded in some ways by what we could just regularly see, those anxieties of the future, because we're focused on a different way of walking. We're walking by faith and not by sight. But once again, you can ask, well, how does this really work? It's a poetic phrase, but tell me, like, how is this going on? We have to be anchored in this case to a reliable and faith-filled story so we can get insights about the future. We have to look at this ancient story of God. We have to actually look at the real facts of our lives and our history. Like we can't just be oblivious to the fact that like there actually really is a past. 
Like there really are things that have happened in our lives and in history, but we actually then ask God to interpret those things with us together. But those are just the things that we're paying attention to now, that we're walking backwards into the future, right? But there's even more that's happening behind us where we can't see anymore. A voice is calling us forward through God's spirit. We're seeing signposts from God's future kingdom. So there's a past that we're actually looking at, but there's a voice that's coming from behind. There's signposts that we know about God and who God is from what we've learned, things that we know about the future that is coming, that God's bringing. This is part of how we can walk backwards into the future. That's what we hear and experience when we don't just rely on our assessment of the past, but we live in a dynamic relationship with God's spirit, with God's voice, with what we understand through scripture. And when we're ready to do this, we can actually turn our back on anxiety. We can like turn away from it, right? And then start to live more by that loving voice. Instead of just paying attention to the anxieties that are in front, we can turn around and say, God, we're depending on you now for this way of walking. Walking by faith, not by sight. This is what we can look forward to as we step into these next few weeks at ECV. We're going to be talking about having faith, trust in specific ways, faith to go, and faith to follow. That'll be what we talk about today. Faith to start small. It's not think we have to do everything at once or start with the biggest thing ever. Faith to build. Actually having the courage to dig, to build a foundation. And then faith to dream. Those will be the weeks of this month of January. And one of the ways that we learn is through testimony, through story, through proclamation, through learning about people's journeys. And so each week we'll be learning from a testimony from Scripture, a story from the uh, Word of God, uh, a person who had a real life of faith, and we'll think about that and think about our own lives. But we'll also be looking at even more recent history, people that have lived, these heroes of faith, uh, in this case people that are from the Civil Rights Movement. And we'll be looking, what are their lives showing us about this way of faith? Because in the Bible, it says that we defeat the enemy by the word of our testimony and the blood of the Lamb. I still think it's crazy there's an and there. The blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony through story. And not just the stories that we see that are ancient stories in the Bible, but also stories of the saints of the land, as Psalm 16 says. People have lived faithfully that we can learn from. So that's what we'll be doing in this time. I hope that you guys are excited and ready I think there's a journey for us here. So today we'll begin with faith to go and faith to follow. This is a story of Abram, later known as Abraham. And you can follow along if you want in your Bibles, on your phones, on the screen, in the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible, chapter 12. So if you want to get that out, you can. It's going to be chapter 12, verse 1. I'm going to read that for you. Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the ones who curse you I will curse, 
and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Feels like this is, you know, just the very beginning. But it also feels like there's a lot of stuff we should know, right? Who's Abraham? Like, where are they going? Like, what's going on? Like, any kind of context, please. Like, that would be helpful. I need that. Help me, God. Like, please tell me more about this story. But this is what we get. The Lord said to Abram, and then exactly what I just read. The Lord said to Abram, go. This isn't the middle, certainly not the end. And the only things we get when we look a little bit before this in Genesis 11 at the very end, it's really a genealogy story just of the the family line. We can pick up a few things here, like uh, Sarai was childless because she was not able to conceive. That's going to be very important. That's the little, little clue that's right there. But then it's really just that they were in an area. They set out to go somewhere else. And then when they came to Haran, they settled there. They were just a settled people, living in a place, trying to find some comfort. So essentially, out of the blue, the Lord says to Abram, go. Go from your own tribe. Go from your protection. Go from your father, your inheritance, your land, the place where you had security. Go. But it's not just go. There's an amazing promise. It really is there. It's I'll make you a great nation. I'll bless your name. I'll bless you so your name will be great and will bless others, all the other families of the earth. But remember, there's just that one problem from the other chapter. His wife can't have kids. So there's this promise to go. We haven't even said where yet. But then there's this other part of the promise of, and you'll be a great nation. And you must be wondering, don't you know? Haven't you heard? But there's another kicker here. It's that Abram doesn't really know God yet. The community he's in is a community that worships many gods. So he's hearing this voice, and God's becoming real to him. But he wasn't a regular churchgoer. He didn't know much about God's ancient story. But he's hearing this voice and is arrested, and he has to make a decision. Will he go or will he stay? Abram decides to listen to this voice from the outside, an ancient voice, but also a voice calling him into his future from the future. And he goes even without understanding. This is faith, trust, relationship. It's faith to go, but it's important for us that we know this, that the faith to go is always the faith to follow. The faith to go is always the faith to follow because all Abram is doing is following God. There isn't even a location. So how could he do anything but follow? We don't have to make it up on our own. We don't have to be our own leader. We don't have to be orphans or parentless. We have an invitation to go, and when we know that invitation is from the Lord, what does that mean? We have an invitation to follow and to still seek God in direction. You're following a voice, a next step, not of someone random, but of God, your creator, your father. The voice is ancient that spoke. It's the voice that spoke creation into existence. This voice will be present even at the very end of the age. So many things will fall down, shake down, not be there. But what will be there in the end? This voice, the voice of God. And right now, as you're Abram, this voice tells you to go. Where? Yes, and exactly. (laughs) What? 
but it, there wasn't a place. It was just a, a go, a moving. Abram didn't know where he was to go, and you might not either. And remember, our instructions are to walk by faith, not by sight, to walk backwards into the future. It might actually be better for us, right, to be distracted with less details about the future plans than to trust more, in order to trust more in the present. Is there anyone who's ever, like, taken a step of faith, but then, like, your life happened, and you were like, if I knew, like, if I knew the other steps, I would have never said yes. I'm sorry to say, but I think sometimes, like, that's, like, on purpose. Like, it's like, we can take this one. We got some vigorous nodding happening here, just if you don't know, if you, there's some nodding. Because if you take a step sometimes, sometimes you can have the courage to take that one. But when you see that the cliff is right here, and then when you go like this, then you get your wings. But that moment, right, when you did that, that was pretty terrifying. That's like sometimes how it happens, right? So sometimes we just have to say yes. We just have to go. But maybe you've been there before, and that's actually been hard for you. Maybe it was a career move prompted by God. Maybe it was changing a care that you had in your heart, some compassion and a feeling you had for action in a matter of justice. Maybe it was saying, you know, I want to do this thing where I actually, like, live life with people and, like, tell people, like, you know, my sin and some hard stuff and see if they will, oh, that, this is messy. I didn't, how did, Patrick, you just said this was a triad. You didn't say it was, what? This is too hard. If you knew how hard it would have been, maybe you would have changed your mind. But you heard go from God, and you said, my mind is made up as I trust God with everything, at least for right now. <laughs> and sometimes there's a beauty in relying on that kind of relationship, on that kind of trust, of working it out with God, even as you're like, dang it, I can't really go back now, but I guess I have to be faithful here. God's like, yes, that's exactly where I want you. And you're like, I know, and it's so hard. Why? Why? <laughs> when has God called you to go, especially in a place of the unknown? What do you do? What are your habits? Who do you talk to? Who don't you talk to? And is God calling you to go now? Is he in some way? I'm going to ask that a lot, so just get used to it. So how did Abraham, Abram go? He, he went. It was really that simple. We'll reread it. Four. So Abram went. <laughs> as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran, so 75 years old. I'm sure that if it was 80, 85, 90, it'd still be in the ballpark, so like, I think we're good. Like, he wasn't a spring chicken. Things were fine, so we're looking good here. He took his wife, Sarai, and his brother's son, brother son, Lot, and all the possessions that they had gathered, and the persons whom they had acquired in Haran, and they set forth to go into the land of Canaan. So they go, and they go as a family. God said, go. Abram went. That's what he did. And do you think everyone got a special message, like, from God? Like, Abram did, right? We see that. But do you think everyone else did? Do you think Lot did? I, I don't know. Sometimes God speaks to us directly, but sometimes God speaks to us through people. It's not just an encounter. And don't get me wrong, we can always ask for a word, we can always ask for confirmation, but sometimes the Lord has your go in someone else's mouth. And that can be very uncomfortable. We don't like that sometimes, especially when it might be hard. And we'll have a choice to believe that God can speak through others, even a nobody named Abram who has heard from this strange God, a God that you don't know, that there's no track record for, you haven't been going to services with this God. And then Abram just says, pack everything up and let's go. But remember, go and follow are the same. When we go, we are still following the Lord. 
and the people that God has called to lead us into this unknown. And when we start walking, we often hear more, not crystal clear instructions, not even warnings usually, but more the way a simple command is connected to a bigger story, bigger than this moment, bigger than this one life, bigger than these few lives, bigger than even a generation. Sometimes God starts speaking into that, and we have to listen as we're going, and that's what happens here. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring I will give this land. So Abram built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And then Abram kept journeying on. It's not just go, but you're going to get this land. That's part of your destiny and inheritance. So how does Abram respond to this beautiful promise of offspring and inheritance? Is it this altar and like what God is doing? No, unfortunately it gets a little bit messier after this. It's kind of like the Abraham story. It's kind of like the Hebrew scripture story. It's like this beautiful promise. Oh my gosh, they did that? And then we have to think about our own lives and be like, wait, we do that too. Okay, sorry. Even though some people are going to be like, no, we didn't do what Abraham's about to do, but okay. <laughs> so Abram gets anxious after this altar moment. He builds an altar to God, but then he gets anxious. And what does he get anxious about? It's a specific future that hasn't come to pass, that he starts worrying about. He goes, I'm going to go through enemy land, through foreign territory, and I have this wife, this beautiful wife, apparently. And Abram says, I'm going to start to hatch a plan. Hey, Sarai, can you just say you're my sister? Exactly. Oh, no. Why, Abram? Why? It's because he's worried. He's anxious about the future. He's living in the future, right? Instead of walking backwards into the future, trusting in the promise, trusting in the word. So he comes up with this plan, and he runs into the ruler of Egypt, and he smacks into the glass door of his own disobedience, his own whackness. And Abram, Abram tells the Egyptian ruler that Sarai is his sister, and in doing so, he jeopardizes her safety, her dignity, he sins against God, his wife, this foreign leader, and himself. It's sin against everyone. And guess what happens after Abram sinfully responds to anxiety about this feared future? The call to go remains. Even Abram's failures cannot keep him from God's continued invitations. Even when Abram becomes so afraid by living life by God's invitation that he actually lets anxiety lead him, not God anymore, even then God's go does work after he says it. That's why we have to look back at our lives, turning our back against fitful anxiety. We have to remember, where has God already spoken? Where has God already said, no, it still will be your offspring? Where has God said, no, you still should go? I haven't picked another person just because you failed, but we just got to do some work here because you shouldn't do that again. And Abram does it again. Foolish, I heard someone say, a congregant just shouted out, foolish. Yes, Lord. I bless that interactivity. <laughs> but we do the same thing. We fear futures that have not come to pass. We stay in anxiety. We hatch plans. We do it. We don't listen to the past go that God said. It's not... One that's filled with anxious imagining is this life that God wants for us, but it's grounded in promises from God. God cements this to Abram in a whole new way. After failing and having a few more adventures in the desert and the wilderness, God says this, Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. Abram says, how? Because it's all about this offspring, and this isn't happening. This can't happen. 
And God encouraged Abram to look towards heaven. He said, look at these stars. If you're able to number them, look at how great they are. That's how your offspring will be. God speaks. What do we do? We don't trust and we fail. God continues to speak to us, reminding us of old words and giving us new ones. We ask how. We hatch anxious plans. God keeps speaking to us to go, 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 which means follow, follow, follow. Will we walk smack into the glass door of mistrusting God with his own words, even as we fumble forward? After all, Abram doesn't outright deny God. He doesn't outright like make this like plan of rebellion. What he does is he just kind of does a kind of like disobedient shuffle, like along a path that's supposed godliness. You know that shuffle, right? Like the shuffle where you're like kind of doing what God's saying, but you're not actually doing what God has said. I know this really well, unfortunately. It's when you hear something from God and you act like you're obeying, but you're really just trying to figure out how can I make this happen so I can know. So it can be done, so I don't have to stay in this place of vulnerability anymore. I want the squishiness to stop. So let me just make a plan. Yikes. So does Abram get it right now, even after this beautiful dream he has that shows promises of his inheritance? I would love to say yes, but honest, honestly, the answer is no. You can read more, Genesis 16, pick it up. But still no. But what about us? What about our stories? Because we struggle in the same way, right? But God keeps speaking to us. And I think this speech is for really important things that God's calling us to do in this world. There's a reason why we're doing this series, walking backwards into the future, and it's because there's real problems right now in our lives, in our world, and we're struggling to meet them. We're struggling to thrive in our lives. And yeah, maybe you're rocking it and killing it individually, but when you think about how is New Haven doing? Second most homicides this past year than any year since 2011. This, there's crazy stuff going on. And we have to think, isn't, it's not how am I doing, but how are we doing? We've got to actually depend on something greater than ourselves. This voice of faith coming from the future, anchored in the past, we need that kind of faith to overcome the things that we're up against. As you know, we're in the month of January, and as Patrick said, we really celebrate that here at ECV, celebrate God's work in the civil rights movement. Obviously, we have the MLK holiday, where we'll have this event on the 17th, but I find it right as a multi-ethnic church that we would stop and pause and look around, even in this group, and say, this is a group that 60, 70 years ago, just that recent, if we looked at each one of us, there would be people against this room, against what it represents, dogged to make it not thrive, not work, because of the horrors of white supremacy and of racism. Just this room, not even before we say anything, 60, 70 years ago. It's just true. And there were saints in the land, not just MLK, but so many who did faithful work with God. So that a room like this, even on a day like this, can exist. Praise God for that. Praise God for that. And we forget those 60, 70 years. We're not thinking backwards, right? We're just thinking about whatever anxious thing is on our mind. You, there's real power in remembering. There really is. God can put a whole lot of faith in you just remembering, man, God, what did you do to make this room normal? So much. 
his spirit's work. So this month of January, as we think about how God is giving us faith to go and follow, faith to start small, faith to build, faith to dream, I'll be highlighting a few folks in this movement, these saints of the land. Some folks you might recognize, some folks you might not. But there's stories that we need to hear. And the story that we need to hear today is uh, one person you will know, you might not know the story, it's MLK's go story, his call story. MLK was about 26 years old, moved to Montgomery, Alabama, was a preacher, got invited to this uh, new organization, uh, Montgomery Improvement Association, and they were doing something called a bus boycott. And there was a woman that you might have heard of, Rosa Parks, another woman that you may not have heard of, Claudette Colvin, and these women were doing heroic work to sit on a bus. As people said, you can't do that. You can't be in the front. And they said, we're going to sit because we can. It's our right. And we're going to dare you to kick us off. And people said, we will. And with violence, with injury, with words that should not be spoken aloud, they removed these people. And MLK was there fresh to be like, so what's going on in Montgomery? They're like, a lot, Martin. And then they're like, so what's the agenda topic for today? Choosing a leader, Martin. And they said, well, who wants to do this? Guess what happened? A group of pastors stepped back. Martin didn't know to do that. He was right there. He was the new leader. Seriously, it was like that simple. He was just the freshest. And they were like, yeah, you should do this. Some people, like, I think do a little retconning. I won't reference all the movies that do that now. Um, I would get very distracted. But I think they do a little retconning. Like, oh, they knew he was a charismatic preacher. Yeah, I mean, it, it was maybe some of that. But he was just fresh. And they're like, better you than us. And he started. And it wasn't supposed to last long. But it did last long because it was actually pretty successful. And it wasn't supposed to be as painful as it was, but it was because it was doing a lot of good work. And you remember last year, sometimes when there's a place that looks like it's peaceful, but really isn't, you need to dramatize and show what kind of violence is really there. And that's what was happening. So MLK was starting to get these calls to his home. They were death threats. He was getting about 40, maybe a week, two weeks into this. Then all of a sudden, he got a different call. Said, leave Montgomery immediately if you have no wish to die. And after getting some calls like this or some prank calls, this kind of put Martin over the edge. His fear surged, hung up the phone, and he prayed. Some of you might know the story. It's really his call story. It's God speaking to him. This is what Martin Luther King Jr. says as he writes this in a book called Stride Toward Freedom. I was ready to give up, 26 years old, a few weeks in. With my cup of coffee sitting untouched before me, I tried to think of a way to move out of the picture without appearing a coward. In this state of exhaustion, when my courage had all but gone, I decided to take my problem to God. I love looking at stories because Abram, saying as he is, he had encounters with God. We don't see him bringing his problems to God, at least not in what we read. He didn't say, my wife is beautiful, God. I'm scared. I love her. He didn't pray that. He didn't relate to God that way. There were encounters that God initiated. But what Martin has is some more knowledge, right, from more of the story that Abram didn't have, relationship with Jesus. So Martin knows I can pray about this. Seems like he hadn't for a while, but then he, he did. So with my head in my hands, I bowed over the kitchen table and prayed out loud. 
The words I spoke to God that midnight are vivid in my memory. I am here taking a stand for what I believe is right, but now I am afraid. The people are looking to me for leadership, and if I stand before them without strength and courage, they too will falter. I am at the end of my powers. I have nothing left. I'm come to the point where I can't face it alone. And MLK writes, at that moment I experienced the presence of the divine as I never had experienced God before. It seemed as though I could hear the quiet assurance of an inner voice saying, stand up for justice. Stand up for truth, and God will be at your side forever. Almost at once, my fears began to go. My uncertainty disappeared. I was ready to face anything. I had to ask a question before about Abram. Like, hey, do you think it got better? And I'll ask the same one. Do you think things got better? Three days later, this happened. His house was bombed. He wasn't there, his kids barely got out in time. But this is what he said. Strangely enough, I accepted the word of the bombing, bombing calmly. My religious experience a few nights before had given me the strength to face it. And as if that wasn't enough, people came over his house, a different kind of crowd this time. It wasn't people that were bombing, it was black folk that were part of the movement, maybe, they were kind of assessing what's going on. They said, if this happened to your house, isn't it going to happen to ours? What are we going to do? Can we take up arm? Can we do something? And he said, this isn't what we do. We've got to practice the way of Jesus, the way of nonviolence. So what he said, he had the strength to say it, but it's only because he had an encounter. It's only because God spoke to him when he was walking backwards into the future when he had turned it away from the anxiety and started listening to the voice of God that was presently guiding him. And he said, yes, as we know. And God said, go. It's so easy for us to think about our lives as radically different than MLK, but then when we get the age, 26, we're like, okay. When you hear that he was a young preacher and that's what so many young black men were at the time, when you learn that he just moved into town, he didn't have decades of relationship in Montgomery, that the leaders actually were pretty afraid and kind of wanted him to do it, sort of like, just, just get it done. We start looking a lot more like Martin then when we know more of the details, right? He started with this local organization that was not supposed to get the national attention it did, but God. It wasn't supposed to last as long as it did, but God did something. And God's work turned a fairly ordinary person into someone we're still talking about today. But God can do those things. And all of this was unlocked by MLK having faith from his own admission, seemingly very little of it. Faith to go and then faith to follow as he sought God amidst difficulty. For you, where has God said, go? And don't discount whatever you might be hearing just because the last person we heard about was Martin Luther King Jr. If God is saying go, God is saying go. So where might it be for you? In a minute, I'm actually going to ask people who feel like God has given that word go about maybe a particular thing to stand up. It's going to be people uh, who have heard it today, even in this message, but also people that are hearing it again. And maybe you realize there was some struggle or some tension. And all we're going to do is just recognize you, pray for you. Don't be worried. Um, I was going to have you come up when I was thinking about this last year. 
We're not gonna do that, it's a different reality, right? So you can just stand where you are. God can work in not so mysterious ways, just standing, praying. When God says go, hopefully we're faithful enough to follow God, not our fitful anxiety about the future. And one way that can work is just by supporting one another. Remember, Abram went, but his whole family, his community went too. So as people pop up, we can just support them, say yes, even extend a hand and pray. Don't create a future anxiety, however uh, likely it might be. Stay in the present. Stay rooted to this ancient past of promises and connected to an unfolding future found in God's voice and found in God's work foretold in his word. So again, where is God giving you that word to go? Where does God ask you to follow him in a particular way? Maybe it makes you afraid. Maybe you really are scared. You kind of laughed at that story earlier. Like when you start and then all of a sudden you're like, dang it, now I'm like 15 steps in. You're like, I'm not going to do that anymore. You sort of made that maybe your resolution for the new year. You have to kind of admit that. It's okay. That's called repentance. What feels deeply impressed upon you right now is if you were in your home country, your own comfort, your own security, but you've been called out into the unknown. For MLK, it was this emerging path of leadership. But what is it for you? Remember, go just means movement. It could be even movement to like stop something, movement to end something. Go is not a goal necessarily. It means to start, to initiate, to catalyze. And you have to know how it will continue, mature, and you just have to trust and let go of something. Maybe it's even just your own indecision and waywardness for something new to begin. So where is the Lord speaking to you? I'm going to invite you, if you have felt this word and this message about go and you feel like the Lord is calling you to something specific or even just you know it's you but you don't know where or whether something's kind of awakened and you've been struggling with or against something and you just want some support, I'm just going to ask you to stand up right now where you are. Just to stand up and to recognize that God's calling you in this time. We're going to do this every week. Around different things. As people stand, we need to remember that we're in a community. So God's doing something with all of us. Even if you're not standing, God's recognizing some things. He's wanting to put his finger on things that people are doing. We still have a time of prayer that we're going to have later, so we're going we're gonna to get into this more. But I want to pray right now. I want to invite you to stretch out a hand if you're by one of these people. You could even ask the Lord, is the Lord, you know, sharing something with you, asking you to say something to them, maybe even right after this or during prayer. But these are people that God is speaking to about some kind of movement. Some kind of yes, probably. So Holy Spirit, right now, would you fall on these ones? In the second Sunday of the new year, this first Sunday of this series, God, you're giving people faith to go and faith to follow you. Maybe things that are fresh from today, maybe words that they've been struggling with and something broke and they're able to say, I, I do need that, God. Holy Spirit right now, fall on your people. And I pray right now you would break off fear and you would break off specific anxieties. 
that are keeping them from movement, where they've been paralyzed by that anxiety, we break that off in the name of Jesus. We say no more. And God, where there's just a step that you could illuminate a little bit more right now, we don't know if it'll be a full plan, but just a step, would you speak and cause revelation right now, God, through your spirit? Let's wait just a little bit longer. God, I pray for these ones that you would break off a comparison that sometimes as they look to others to see, are they doing it right? Are they getting it right? You have a unique way for them to go, a unique way for them to walk, to walk by faith, not by sight. So break off that comparison in the name of Jesus. Give them right now a stamp that they have their own path that should not lead to more individualism, but should lead to a way that like, I have something that I need to tell you to tell others. It's your story, but it can be lived out in community. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your work right now. And we eagerly await and anticipate the ways you're going to keep working and moving even in this service today. Amen. You guys can uh, take a seat right now. I really encourage you. You know, we're didn't mean to do part of the prayer call. Kind of didn't mean to do part of the prayer call. Just felt like that was an invitation. Again, we'll do this every week. But you guys probably know we need a little bit more time in prayer. Have God speak to you a few things. I'm going to give everyone a few invitations and then get out of here as we do some more worship. Uh, invitations are simple. Go. Don't let the details, the anxieties, the worries keep you from movement as called by God. This isn't busyness. This is hearing a prompting from the Lord that should have some kind of ancient future resonance, right? It's kind of a sweet mix of, I feel like it's something about God's story, but it's also being lived out in the future, in my present, moving forward. Decide to be open to that momentum. Even if you feel like that's not you right now, be open to it. That can, be, that can do a lot, to be open. Second thing is confront anxiety. You know, there's just stuff that's in our lives. There's ways, you know, for Abram, we can make fun of him. Uh, for MLK, we can sympathize and be like, that was dramatic. But in the middle of those things, that's called our lives. And we have anxieties that we actually live out of. Futures that we don't know are here that are shaping our present action. Where you know those things, where you're aware of them, confess them, confront them. You don't need to be strong enough to change it yet. All you need to do is just confess it as, I don't think this is the best way for me, God. I don't think that's you leading me. I think it's something else. That's all you have to do today. And God will give you a next step. But as you start to confess it, you begin to admit that's not the way of God for you. That you have much better. God has much better for you. And lastly, isn't it cool that there's a gift of faith? That there's a spiritual gift of faith. So let's ask for it. God, give us the spiritual gift of faith so we can trust you more. I love that. Faith is something clearly else, but we also get to say, wait, can we just have that, God? Because you're good and you're generous. He's a good father that gives us good gifts. One of those gifts that we receive is the gift of communion. One of those gifts we receive is the yes of Jesus when he said that he would go, even go to the cross. That yes is costly, just like our yes might be costly. That go was costly, just like our go might be costly. And yet, it's what gives us life and life everlasting. It's what gives us a shared meal that we can remember, step into the past and remember, but also live out of as our own habit for life. So take this bread, the body of Christ, 
broken for you, and consume it. And take this drink, the blood of Jesus, shed for you, and drink. This meal is a meal from the past, from the present, in the future. It's beyond time, and we get to embody it and consume it now for the love of God, for God's glory. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up as I pray. Lord, would you continue doing work in our midst? God, I believe you're moving, that you're doing things right now. And we ask you, Lord, God, would you keep moving on our behalf? Would you keep moving in the ways that you are calling us to remember you and say yes to you, to your goodness, to your ways, to your habits, to your activities, even to the yeses that you're calling us to make. God, would you say your yes over us in Jesus' name, and would you fill the rest of this time with your spirit and with your work?